Amen. Amen. Praise God. Had a successful year. Okay, were there any prayer requests before we pray? Okay. All right. Well, um, let's all take our prayer posture. And if you feel impressed to come closer to the altar, you can. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. I want to see you. Father, in the name of Jesus, how we want to see you. Lord, we thank you so much for this privilege that you've given us. One more time to come into your house. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because of your blood, you make it possible. Lord, we're wretched and blind and naked, and there's nothing good in us. But Lord, thank you for your amazing love, for your unfailing love towards each one of us this morning. God, that you have kept us, not because of any goodness in us, but because you are love. We thank you and we praise you that you consider us your sons and daughters. Lord, that you have made us joint heirs, even with your son, Jesus. We praise you on this morning. God, we thank you for all the testimonies that flowed today, Lord, of birthday celebrations, of winning competitions, of watching over our parents, of watching over our children. Father, we thank you even for being our comforter in our time of loss. Father, how great and mighty you are. There's none like you, God. And so please accept our worship, accept our praise, accept our love for you today in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that you will cleanse us this morning. Your word says that when we confess our sin, that you would be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, as we come seeking you, Lord, we pray that you will wrap us with your clothes of righteous, your robe of righteousness today. Lord, so that our worship will not be in vain because you are worthy. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. And we don't want to mock you today. So, Lord, wherever we are failing, wherever we are struggling, God, wherever we we are still lusting and prideful and selfish and 
and, and divided. God, please, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would purge us today and that you would make us clean today. You make us new creatures today. And truly, Lord, that these lessons that we're, we're studying week after week, they'll not be in vain, Lord, but that we'll not just be hearers, we'll be doers of your word and others will truly know we're your disciples because we have read your word and we're practicing it. God, please hear our prayers this morning. Father, I ask that you will especially be with those who are not with us today. Father, those who are celebrating graduations, God, those who are have traveled. Father, those who may be lonely today and they were not able to make it out of their homes today. Lord, I pray that you will please be so near to them that, Lord, as you are blessing us in this place, please bless them as well in the name of Jesus. God, I pray especially for our mourning brothers and sisters. Lord, you know, and there's nothing that comes as a surprise to you. So, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will answer every question. God, that you will be so close to them, that you will comfort them, that you will strengthen them, and that you will increase their faith and their trust in you, knowing that you are coming soon, that you will take away all sickness, all death, all separation. God, please, as their race is done, I pray that you will please come and help us that we might endure this life. And Lord, that when you come, Lord, you can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, dear God, for this day. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to worship. Thank you, Lord, that we still live in a nation where we can freely do this. We know that it will not be for long. So, God, please, we pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to fall afresh upon each one of us, that you will fill us today. And as your manservant comes before us, God, may we not see him, but may he be hidden in the blood of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as you speak, oh God, that you will speak life in every dead and dry bone in us. God, that you will speak and that you will revive us today. That you will speak, Lord, and that you will make us wise and help us to win souls for you. That we can hasten your soon return. Please, Lord, speak, God. And make us stronger, make us wiser, make us available for you. Whatever you want to do, whatever, however you want to use us, God, we are available to you today. So clothe us today, I pray. And I thank you. I thank you for hearing. I thank you for answering. I thank you for doing above what I can express because you know exactly what we need today. And we pray it all in Jesus' wonderful and matchless, your beautiful name. We thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Happy Sabbath, church. 
How do we feel this afternoon? How was the week? Was nice? We don't sound so convincing. How was the week? He said, in all situations, give him what? Praise. And welcome us to today's worship. To our visitors, you are especially welcome to your father's house. Relax and enjoy the bliss of the worship. First of all, I thank God so much. Thank him so much for leading me thus far. And I thank him for granting me this opportunity, the grace, and the mercy. For it is written, it is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It is not of he that runs, nor of he that what? That does what? That will it. But of who? But of God who shows mercy. That is the only reason why we are gathered here in, under this roof in his house to seek his face, call upon his name, praise him, and worship him. I thank the church authority for granting me this opportunity as well. Uh, I hope the opportunity comes again soon. And I plead with us to relax and let us commune with our God in the most excellent way as he abides with us throughout his worship. Once again, I say welcome. I will not forget to extend my greetings from my family back home in Nigeria who will be coming here next month by God's grace. Uh, almost all of them will be visiting apart from two people. One is currently in California. He's having a seminar there. But one person is still in Nigeria. But 60 to 70% of my family will be here next month. So you will get to meet them, and they will meet you guys as well. Because this has been a wonderful family for me so far. God bless you all. I would like to start to, by singing a hymn. I love singing so much. The hymn, Come Thou Found of every blessing. Hymn number 334. 
with joy and love. He I raise my Ebenezer. He the by thy help have come, and I hope by thy good measure safely to arrive at home. Jesus helped me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from Interpose his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a feather, Bind me closer still to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to live the God I love. He's my heart, oh, take and see. Seal it for thy curse above. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, and fill me anew. So that every soul seated here, under the sound of my voice, shall receive blessings packaged specifically for them to your glory and to our blessings for the sanctification of our souls and the edification of your church. For Christ's sake I pray. Amen. One ticket, one entrance. That is the topic of today's admonition. From where we took our Bible reading, From the Bible book of John, I'd like us to open the Bible there because we fall in the category of the disciples at that time who, no matter how long they had been with their master, they still failed to understand that the master wasn't preparing them for a stay here on earth. But he was preparing them for a stay where? In heaven. From the book of John, chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. That Bible passage starts from verse 1, where he was admonishing them and telling them, Look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will do what? I will take you with me. That where I am, you may be also. And verse 4, he said, 
you know the way to the place where I am. When Thomas heard that, he got confused. Thomas was like, no, master. We don't know where you're going. How then can we know the way? And the master replied them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody else, nobody, nobody, wherever you come from, no matter how much you have, no matter what assets you may acquire, you cannot come to the Father. Except what? Except through me. I am the one ticket. I am the one entrance. You can't go through any other doorpost, no matter how wide open it is, and meet the Father, except through me. Today, I would like to dwell on verse 6 and try to split them apart so that we can understand fully what Jesus meant by those statements. In verse 6, he says, I am the way. The first part, Jesus called himself what? I am. I am. That's the first part. All through the Bible, we find God introducing himself whenever he wants to manifest himself. Whenever he wants to prove himself, when he wants to perform miracles, when he wants to do things out of the ordinary, he starts by introducing himself. He introduced himself to to Moses. According to the Bible book of Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, when he was about to send Moses out to deliver the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, Moses was like, okay, Lord, you are sending me, yes, but who do I tell Pharaoh is sending me? And God told him in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 3, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Now, Jesus starts with the statement, I am. Let us also look at the book of Exodus chapter 6 verse 2. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. Even to the children of Israel in Isaiah 48 verse 12, he says, listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I have called, I am he. I am the first and I am the last. We find God trying to let people know who he is. In our individual lives, there are moments in our lives when we might have lost focus of who we serve. We might have lost the attention or the full comprehension of the God we call upon. We might have fallen in this same category of people who needed God to reiterate by introducing himself once again to them before they could understand and know fully who he is. In such cases, what do we do? We are meant to fall back to the scripture, the written words inspired by God. There we will find him introducing himself to us in written words. We can also look to nature. We see God every other day introducing himself as a God to us in nature. In our individual lives, the moment we sleep and wake up is an introduction 
by God telling you, I am he who has given you life. Now, Jesus was with his disciples and this same confusion or misunderstanding or misconception of his identity happened even right there with the people who have spent time with him. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied. These replies were coming from people who have spent time with God. People like you and I. Yet, they didn't know who has been with them. They said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Take note, these people mentioned were already people who lived. So how can you tell me, as I am, hope, that I am maybe one of my ancestors that is dead a long time ago, and I'm asking, who do you think people think I am? And you're telling me that I am my forefather. It doesn't make sense. But that was the, the situation of the disciples because they failed to understand who has been with them. Now he asked them, but what about you? Personally, what do you think or who do you think I am? What do you say I am? It was only Simon Peter, Simon Peter who answered, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus told him, Listen, my son, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. But by, by, by my father in what? In heaven. What does this mean? For us to have a full grasp of who God is, we need to tap into the heavenly realm. When Jesus was departing, he said, I am sending you a comforter. Not only is this comforter coming to teach you, this comforter is coming to make everything about me known to you. Which means we have the Spirit of God at our beck and call when we have lost sight of who God is. All we need to do is ask, Oh Holy Spirit, reveal to me who you, you are. Let us take an instance from the case between uh, uh, Gehazi and his master. When they were besieged by the Assyrian army, Gehazi was as blind as most of us are today to the fact that we serve a great God who can take care of us. Gehazi was questioning in fear, trembling that they were going to be what? Destroyed. But the master told him, listen, calm down. For the person that is with us is greater than them that is out there. And the master prayed for the, for the servant. Lord, open his eyes even for a second. Did God answer? God answered. And the eyes of Gehazi was opened just for a split second. And what he saw marveled him. Let us pray that God should open our eyes even for a second so that we can understand and see 
a little of how encompassed we are by angels of God. But this, this notion can only come when we have a true relationship with God. When we are constantly connected to him, we will not need him to introduce himself before we know who he is. Any Christian who waits for God to constantly introduce himself to you should watch him or herself. Because in the moment you profess to believe in the name of Christ, you profess to acknowledge his presence, his identity, and his sovereignty. You are not allowed to lose sight of these personalities, of these identities of God our Father. Now, there was an event that happened in John chapter 8, verse 58 through 59. This event happened right in the synagogue among Jesus and people who believe, who think, or who feel they know everything about the scripture. People who believe they have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, eating it, regurgitated it, ate it again, and they are so comfortable that they have known the Bible and its intricacies. When Jesus was in the temple, verse 58 and through 59 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. These people were like, you ordinary son of a carpenter. How dare you use the name I am? Because these people understood that name, that nomenclature, that terminology, and that it only belongs to who? To God. Now, looking at Jesus telling them, I am, the people went berserk. They picked up stones, verse 59 said, at this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself sleeping away from the temple grounds. These were men who, who we will tag today the, the leaders of the church. People who were meant to know who Jesus is. But even to the leaders of the church, the identity of Jesus in their midst was oblivious to them. They didn't know because they were so blinded by rules, by commandments, by injunctions of the Old Testament that they failed to understand that the being talked about, prophesied about by prophets of the old has been with them. Now, when they looked within themselves and saw that a messed son of a carpenter is coming out here to earn or to to, to, to take over the title belonging to an almighty God who they have been serving, they not only, they didn't even hide their, their discontent. They, they, they picked up stones to do, to do what? To stone Jesus Christ. That was the height of their ignorance. Can we be ignorant to that point where we denigrate the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Can we as Christians be to that point where we try to annul or try to, to make, to demean or make little or, no or little or no substance to the name and identity of our God? 
there is a danger when we feel overconfident of knowing the scriptures because then we are worshipping what is written and not who was written about. That was the problem these people had. They held so strongly to the dictates and statutes written and losing sight of who was written about. That was why Jesus had to introduce to, to them there in the temple before who that, that person you hold so dear as a prophet, before he was born, I am. And that was the same word, the same title Jesus started in reply to the confusion or the doubt of Thomas. Jesus started in verse 6 of John 14. I am introducing himself to his disciples so that they will understand that he is not just a mere son of a carpenter, that he is God and God is what is him. The second part, the way. We all have our GPS. When we travel, you key in the address and certain times there might be traffic and we are forced to tell the maybe the Google map or whatever uh, GPS service you have on your phone to check alternate routes, right? We do that often. We check alternate routes to find what the easier and the quickest way to our, what, our destination. Here, Jesus said, I am what? The way. But with all these ways, there is one true way. Now, the disciples, not the question of Thomas, he said, First of all, he doesn't know where Jesus was going to. Because there we are looking forward to him maybe telling them, okay, I'm moving from America to England and I'm going to build a big mansion. And when I'm done, I will come back because I, by then I know that the American system, the government here will be persecuting you guys and by then you'll be looking for a safe heaven. I will come and do what? And take you back to what? To England. That was their, 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 their level of understanding. Because from the onset, the prophecy was about a king that is coming to save his what? His people. So they believed in the worldly earthly king who is coming to fight battles, win wars for them to have what? Peace. Little did they know that the battle that we are looking at was just a mere figment of the battle that Jesus came to fight. The battle they were looking at was just, was just a preamble, was just a, a joke to the real war that was going on that started even before we were born in heaven. And this war was what Jesus came here on earth to put an end to. He came here to Put an exclamation mark of a finished sacrifice to that war. But the disciples never saw it that way. And that was why Thomas was like, we don't even know where you're going. How then do you expect us to know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. In Psalm chapter 1 verse 6, there is a righteous way and there is a wicked way. Psalm 1 verse 6 says, 
For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to what? To destruction. Those are two different ways. The way of the righteous and the way of what? The wicked. There is another way, a way of life and a way of death. According to the book of Jeremiah chapter 28 verse 21 verse 8. Jeremiah 21 verse 8. It says, furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. In John 14 verse 4 to 6 where we read. Despite all these several kinds of ways, different types of ways, Jesus told us that he is the way. The way not home, the way not to school, the way not to work, but the way to where? To heaven. What does this mean? If I uh, or you need an, we need to be in the presence of the king, if we need to get in touch, if we need to call our father in heaven, the only way is through who? Is Jesus Christ. It was a sad event that the disciples failed to see this fact about who they have been for almost three years at the time. It tells us that it doesn't matter how long you claim to know or claim to believe in Jesus, you might still be missing the mark. You might still be focusing on the wrong things. You might still be looking to the wrong things to grab your attention. But yes, you claim to be walking with God. I might be claiming to walk with God, but I'm losing sight of the Calvary man who died for me. The next part is the truth. The truth. John 8 verse 32 tells us, then you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Will set you free. Free from what? We can only attain total freedom from sin and all its consequences when we know the truth. Now, when the Bible uses the word know, it talks about intimate knowledge of something. That it's not just a peripheral or a platonic knowledge of something. It means going deeper into acknowledging that, that fact. So here, knowing the truth is about living the truth. Knowing the truth is about being in tandem with thoughts said the Lord. Knowing the truth is not taking the truth when I feel comfortable with it. Truth, they say, is what? Constant. In the Bible book of 1 John 2 verse 21, it tells us there are no lies found in truth. Now, why would Jesus tell us that he is the what? The truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy word. For thy word is what? We are coming closer to identify who and why this Jesus said he is the truth. Sanctify them by thy word. 
For that word is what? It's true. What is that word? John 1 verse 1 through 3 answers the question and tells us who this word, who this truth is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus himself is the word. And being the word, according to 1717 of John, being the word that sanctifies us into truth, Jesus has proven that he is the truth. In him, there are no lies. In him, there is no form of deceit. He is the truth. The life. When we talk about life in the Bible, it has to do with blood, right? Are we together? When, it has, when we talk about life in the scriptures, it has to do with what? With blood. John 3 verse 16. Through 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus has no business, no form of connotation to death. In fact, at his death, by his death, through his death, he has won the key to Hades and what? And the grave. Defeating whatever power death has over him and over all who believe in him. John 1 verse 4 tells us, In him was life. And that life was a light of all mankind. In Jesus was what? Was life. And that life was the light to all mankind. His life has illuminated the way of salvation to all who believe in him. John 11 verse 25 through 26. Jesus proclaimed that he is the resurrection and what? And life. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by the believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That is a question to both you, you and I. Do I believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the life? Do you believe he is the resurrection? Do you believe that without him, I have no life? You have no life. But one life we have that is in him is life eternal. That is why he said, whoever believes in me will never, what, die. He was not talking about the literal death we die here. Because he himself called it what? Sleep. 
Only time Bible mentions death is when it has to do with eternal what? Death. But when it comes to the death we know here, the Bible calls it what? Sleep. Because sleep is temporary. But death is permanent. That is why Jesus said that he is the life. 1 John 1 verse 2. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Elder John still retreats to us and tells us that Jesus is the life. And this life has appeared to us. Is it true? Has this life appeared to you and I? We read about this life every day. We see this life every day. We experience this life every other day. Because we serve a risen Savior. He has proven himself to be true. He has proven himself to be the only way. He has proven himself to be the life that we are seeking. A story was told about one man. Who, whose wife was dying. She was on a sick bed. But the wife had one special gift for the husband. It was an envelope, a golden envelope. And in this place, the man's name is Brendan Butchard, the writer of this story, Brendan Butchard. This story talks about this man beside the wife on the sick bed. He was going through a whole lot of things. Going through so many trials and tribulations at the time. So many turmoils. That he was questioning if there was ever going to be a way out. But underneath the wife, the wife hid this special envelope, golden envelope. When this man was going through all these things, the wife was just watching. He's laying there on the bed. And the wife was like, darling, can you go to the garden? Can you go to the park? The man reluctantly went to the park. As, he op- as the entrance gate to this park opened, the birds, the trees, the animals, everything seemed so beautiful to him. So beautiful to the point that he forgot all that he has been going through. That is a similar experience we face, we will have, when we walk through this door called Jesus. When we walk through this one entrance, it is all bliss and beauty all around. While he was in there, he remembered that envelope. He opens this Mary's, the wife's name was Mary, He opened this mysterious envelope and inside it was a golden ticket. The final phase in turning his tragic life story of loss and regret into a triumphant tale of love and redemption. With that one golden ticket, his life turned around for good. Today, my brothers and my sisters, 
I introduced to us the one ticket to eternal bliss, the one entrance to our Father's presence, the one true way to eternal life, the only truth that remains unadulterated, the only life that we will have and enjoy it to eternity. In conclusion, Acts 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the man Jesus who I have come here today to introduce to us. He is the one ticket. He is the one entrance. May God bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. He whom the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. Let us bow in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty Father, for admonishing us this afternoon, for reminding us that you are the only way. You are the only one ticket we have to heaven. You are the only entrance that we have. Help us, Lord, not to lose sight of this anymore. Help us to live our lives daily like people who are looking forward to the day their Savior will come home to take, will come to take them home. Help us so that our lives shall reflect the urgency of your coming. So that when you will come back again, we shall not be found wanting. Rather, we will be met ready and waiting for you, our Savior. And on that day, all we will do is sing songs of praises to your name. The song of Moses and the Lamb as you usher us in into our eternal home. And now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you. May may he make his face to shine upon us all and give us peace. Peace everywhere we go. Peace in our homes. Peace at work. Peace even at school. Peace even within our hearts. Upon his return, May he find us at peace with ourselves to be united with him in our heavenly glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.